If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter uh, 1, verses 3 through 17. And um, for those who weren't here last week, we have a new opening prayer for this. And so we're going to, if you guys will pray this with me, and then I'm going to read the text that we have today, um, and then uh, and then we'll get into it. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, or chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the winds return. All the streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which is said, See, this is new. It is already. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. So, the thief comes to kill and to steal and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and to give us life, not just a mediocre life, but life abundantly. One that we will love to live with him and walk in our things. And in this, in this text today, we see that work is a part of the abundant life that God has for us. This toil that he has for us. And it feels like um, sometimes work is the enemy. Amen. We can feel that way sometimes, like it's trying to kill and steal and destroy us. But life and work, um, Ecclesiastes calls the same thing. Vanity, meaningless, and smoke, depending on the translation which you like. So how does one live a, a Christian life at home, at work, at church, or just in this world in general? And these are questions that we will continue to wrestle with throughout all of Ecclesiastes because we live in a world of uncertainty and yet Jesus has come to give us life and give us life abundantly. And this is the life that we want. Every day, every step that we take, we would love to live an abundant life. There's so much of life that is a mystery and unknowable, such as tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And much of what we do know doesn't help us uh, live closer with Jesus. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So we need the Holy Spirit to go further up and further in into this life of Christ that he would have us live. For as we all kind of know, at least those of us who have jobs, know that regardless if we like the job or not, at times it feels like drudgery. At times it feels like meaninglessness. feels like if I didn't do this, somebody else would, and so on and so forth. 
and so we can in that feel like uh, we don't have our total sense of purpose in life. And we know that it is wise to work and that the little that we gain from our, all our toil is better than the foolishness of laziness or not working. But it is still toil and drudgery much of the time. We know that even if we do our work well, it's never finished. Even if we finish a project, the work that we have to do is never done. It goes on and on and on and on again. And the question here is, what do we gain from our toil? That's a question that this is presented here. And, and we do gain from it, if we're honest, right? We, get, we gain uh, financial, financially, we get paid and the money helps us eat and provide shelter and, and as well as other needs that we have, even entertainment, the things that we don't need but we want and we get from this, this life. So in one sense, the, the what do we get from our toil? It helps us enjoy our life a little bit, helps us enjoy... Uh, the things that we can have. And then through work, we can gain friendships. We can have a little bit of our meaning, not our full meaning, but a little bit of our meaning in our work as well. And I think that that's a a good thing. And and so as we gain this work through friendships, uh, we also recognize that our job or our work is a gift for God and we're from God and we're grateful for it. We can be thankful for the work that we have that God has for us to set uh, has set aside for us that we do. And I don't think good works are just going out and serving the poor. It's going out and serving at your job with faithfulness and steadfastness that Christ would would have for you to do. But we also recognize the vanity of it, the vanity of work. And I was telling a friend this week that we're starting Ecclesiastes, and they asked if um, they they're asking it. Uh, very sincerely, does, does uh, Ecclesiastes suggest that life on earth is meaningless, but like only eternal nature is meaning? How many has meaning? Did, have any of us ever thought that before? That maybe like when we read through Ecclesiastes that none of this on earth is, is, um, is uh, meaningful, but yet eternity will be meaningful. And I, don't, uh, and I don't believe that this is what Ecclesiastes is saying to us. I really don't, because um, here we are supposed to, in this life, fear God and keep his commandments. But he also, we, as, as we take the Bible as a whole, he also wants us to enjoy our lives. And he wants us to have abundant life. That what we are doing is meaningless, yet it means so much that we try to make the most out of living into wisdom. And this book is full of Lady Wisdom's advice to us. And she gives plain facts to point out truths about life that hopefully will help us live into this life that Christ would have for us. And while all that is going on in this section of Ecclesiastes, Lady Wisdom here is passing down wisdom that comes from one generation to the next. And in many ways, wisdom grows as it is passed on and on through the generations. And the world may, um, and in this, we can see that the wisdom is, says that the world gets no rest from all that goes on. The, the world gets no rest. The sun hasn't taken a day off ever. The winds haven't taken a day off. The stars or the streams, um, all of that. Um, has it's just repetition upon repetition with no breaks. And even in this, we can see in this, God gives his wisdom and wisdom is passed down to us. 
that gives us a break. And if we are wise, we will use the breaks to uh, break from um, the rhythms of life and lean more into the grace that God has for us. And this is, he tells us, one of the Ten Commandments is that we are to Sabbath, that we're to take some time off. And this is a break in the rhythm. He doesn't tell the streams or the sun to Sabbath, praise be to Jesus, right? Or the moon or the stars, but he tells us to Sabbath. And Sabbathing doesn't mean that we don't have work. It's not what it says. It's not, it's not what it means. It means that we have work and we intentionally set aside that work so that we may trust in God with the work instead of, instead of thinking that all that we do comes from our own hands. Because that's not true. What's true is it comes from God's hands. And, and as we take a break from work, the wisdom that is passed down to us through the Holy Spirit, it does it reminds us of God's grace to us. It reminds us of how much that we don't do and, and how much even that we do uh, do might not matter as much as we think it does. Everything around us, everything in this world goes around and around and around and it is nonstop. And so, in fact, um, more than one commentator said it's a bit like a hamster wheel. How many of us feel that way about time, life at times, right? Like it's just one day after the other. Things don't change as quickly as we want, want them to. And the, the repeat nature of everything around us is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So this world is never moving, never resting. There is so much action that it is not uh, that is not of human design or power, and that's a beautiful thing, and we can learn a lot from it. Um, in fact, have you guys ever gone out into the wilderness, the middle of nowhere, and sat there and like listened? It's loud, isn't it? Like it's so peaceful, but then it's also at the same time so loud. Maybe we can just hear uh, different things at times, but it's it's so incredible, and there's so much action, and yet at times there's not much going on. There's a ton of busyness and movement. And the verb used here for goes around and around is used in these eight verses six times, showing us the consistency and the constancy of movement. It's unbelievable. But my favorite description of this in this Ecclesiastes, the one that I've kind of liked the most this week is, uh, my favorite is the streams. They flow and they flow, yet the sea never gets full. The sea never gets full, and, and the streams never seem to run out. Unless you live in California, then they're totally running out, right? But, like, they never seem to run out. And this has been happening since the beginning of time and will go on long after our lives expire and are forgotten, which, by the way, is a reality, right? Like, how far can you go back in your family tree and actually remember all the names? Some of us further than others, but... Uh, we don't know their lives. And think about all the peoples whose generation we removed. We know, no one in this world remembers anymore. The winds blow, and they've been blowing a long time. The sun rises and sets, and is, both have been doing so forever and will go on forever until time expires. In other words, the universe goes on with or without you. It goes on. And if you think about that life is a bit exhausting and repetitive, there's very little that might distinguish one day from the next, even in our own lives. Like we wake up, we eat, we breathe, we go to bed. Hopefully we brush our teeth somewhere in there, right? Comb our hair maybe. I don't anymore, but I used to, 
right? <laughs> These are true for most of our everyday lives. And it, it, life is a bit exhausting and repetitive. Like there are certain needs that we have that just make it so. And so we grow weary of certain areas of our life. And as uh, a theologian that you're probably going to hear a lot about, because I really have enjoyed her writings, Ellen F. Davis points out, Growing weary of certain things is a sign of Lady Wisdom's growth in your life. I find that to be a very interesting thought. Because we get bored by things that are totally amazing. Totally amazing. Every second of life is filled with a tremendous amount of grace and favor and honestly miracles from God. And yet at times it seems to grow wearisome or boring or at least taken for granted. Right? I think of it this way. My family loves Yellowstone, and it's a very cool place. And every year, the first bison we see, we're like, yeah, look, oh, there's a bison. It's so cool. Is it buffalo or bison? What do we call it? Like, and we, we talk about that. They're huge beasts that look very cool and so cool that we have pictures and paintings of them in our house. But after a few bison, we really don't stop to look at them any, anymore. And bison jams are annoying. And it's like, can you please just move out of the park so I can see the other things? And unless they're fighting or something, it's just like, well, there's another bison. And you're just kind of like, you're kind of over it. We want new, like, I want to see a wolf eating a bison. That would be cool. Or I want to see, like, I want to see a, a moose or an otter or something that's maybe less common to see at, at Yellowstone. Because we want that new, that fresh, that exciting. Uh, and bison get real boring real fast. Again, unless they're fighting. And we can all, that's how I think about it. I don't know why, because every year we go to Yellowstone and we've been there a number of times now. It's just like, yes, the bison. Oh, okay, there they are. Let's keep moving on. And we can get, we can all get weary of seeing and experiencing amazing things. Amazing things. When we get bored, as we all will, we need to recognize that more will not satisfy us. I guarantee you, if I saw 10 more bison, that would not satisfy, that would not satisfy when we're in there. That this is a huge lesson that we can all learn from this, uh, this section of Ecclesiastes and in, in, in learn in our consumeristic society where more or bigger or better or updated and, and, and the like is constantly being shoved into our lives and expected to tell us that this new thing or this different thing will make our life better. And in that, we need to recognize that more or newer or better will not satisfy us forever either. It'll leave us longing. It'll leave us empty. It'll leave us wanting more because we all know the more, uh, the more, uh, the more that we have, the more and more that we need, it's never going to satisfy us unless we have just a little bit more, right? Unless we have a little bit more because we don't, um, uh, because we don't have enough. And St. Gregory of Nicaea, he suggested that we're not satisfied with more because we don't give enough away. That's what he suggests. And I agree with part of what he's saying. But every generation has to come to grips with this in life. That life doesn't last forever. That, as this says, words are always helpful. Like we always want to hear more. We always want to learn more. But that seeing isn't always believing. And wisdom helps us. But we always want to see, hear more, and know, know more, and experience more in this life. It's just a little bit more. A little bit more. Right? Like if you're, imagine this. 
if you just added like 200 square feet to your house, right? It's ah, yes. If you just added a few thousand more dollars to your bank account, if you just added just, just a little bit more. And if we look at how God gifts are amazing and they're unending, this is what we're supposed to think when we look at the sun. It comes up, goes down, on repeat forever. The winds and the streams are always there and always flowing. All that activity, he gives and he gives and he gives and his grace and his love and his forgiveness never run out for us. And when we are honest, we oftentimes have fear that the gig is almost up in our own lives. That the good can't last that much longer. Once they find out who I really am, they'll get tired of me. That we all have fears that the good will run out. And we fight to believe in God's goodness, but not only his goodness, like once and done forgiveness, but his continuation of goodness in our lives, his continuation of his grace and his presence in our lives. It's a, it's a fight that we don't always win, but we get to keep fighting. This constant, uh, uh, this constant replenishing of God's gifts to us is to show us the enduring qualities of God's gifts to us. The sunrise is beautiful and so is the sunset. Most of the time, though, these are, these are when we see them, we can't really see them here, right? We, we talk about the gray in our house because that's what it is. It's not daylight, it's gray light. But some, some of these times, they, uh, when we see the sunrise and sunset, they're not taken for granted, even though they're not enjoyed every day. But as the sun rises and the sun sets, as long as this has happened, and, um, and it has happened before us, and, and it will, uh, we will cease, and then it will continue happening. That's how great our Father's love is for us. Never-ending and constant. He gives us a sunrise and sunsets as gifts to be enjoyed because of His love for us, because of their beauty, and it reminds us of the beauty of His grace in our life. His love and His grace and His forgiveness will never run out. And God gives and gives and gives, and he's never tired of giving just like the streams. And we are like the ocean, never getting tired of receiving it. And so we can take that lesson from this Ecclesiastes. Because our desires, if we're honest, are insatiable, right? I mean, we always want just a little bit more. This is the part of the nothing's new under the sun. But this can also point us out, point out how limited we are. That we are unsatisfiable and we are finite people. And I believe that the wisdom of this text wants us to know this. And, in limit, and, and know this because then we can limit ourselves and that can help us bring much life. Like we will go through in Ecclesiastes and it will say all that we can do and experience is vanity all of it will never satisfy completely and it and in this we get to limit ourselves to where we get to be limited because it points us to a living God within the scope that God would have for us God has given us limits that we get to walk in but it's not to deprive us of experiences it's to enrich our lives in the giving of these things. And I would suggest this passage teaches us that it's better to live with limitations, even even if we know that we're limited, instead of constantly chasing the uncatchable wind that is ever blowing out there. 
Just because we can do a thing doesn't mean we should do it or that that in doing it will benefit our lives. And a couple weeks ago, three, three, four weeks ago now, I guess, Karina, Tyrone, and I were sitting around our table uh, um, getting ready for Ecclesiastes, and a question came up about verse 9, and particularly the part where it says there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, Mo was downstairs at the time getting something for the kids, and she commented kind of offhandedly, but it's not about, like, gizmos and gadgets. It's about our human heart and our human condition, that there's nothing new about our attitudes and our motivations. And I believe that this is what it is because it says that there's nothing new, but we can think that we can think of things that are new, right? We can think of iPhones or NASCAR's next gen cars, which start today. I know you guys are super excited about NASCAR. I'll try and wrap this up so we can go watch race day. Um, but I, I, I think as I, as I like learn and I continue to play guitar, like pedals and amps, there's never an end to any of that stuff. But there's always new ones, always just a slight variation on the old. And, and in one sense, um, I, you think about this, at one point in this world, there wasn't a flying machine that humans can get on and fly, right? There was, it, there was a time and a place uh, that in one sense, it was new. But here's what's not new, the desire to soar, the, the desire to overcome gravity, the desire to escape or create whatever the motivation maybe may have been for these particular people. And, it, and it's not new. It may have been that the one who created this wanted to glorify God with their achievements. Lord, look what man can do. Give him all the credit and glory. And then there's other, others that have created things that they want to prove that they don't need God because of their achievements. Both achievements and humans have been achieving since they've been, or humans have been achieving different things since they've been on earth. There's always this desire that is not new to know more, experience more, be more, in in a way to be God. And this is not new. There are no new attitudes or wrestlings of the heart that we can go through here on earth that haven't already been experienced. There's nothing new that won't tempt us, right? That leads us astray. The packaging of it may be a little different, but it's all the same and it's not new. It's all been said and done and thought of before we ever got here. And in each generation, we have to learn to live with Jesus, with the wisdom that has been passed down through the ages. In other words, we have to discern what is right for us as we walk with Jesus and what would Jesus have us do in the here and now. We don't ignore the past. In fact, we gain from it. We should learn from it. But we uh, get to walk in the here and now. And, and, and the, the problems, the heart conditions, the mindsets, they're not new. And with Jesus' help, in his leading, we have to see what our limits might be that he has for us. And that what the benefits for that these limits may be and what and yet at the same time we need to see what walls or strongholds may need to be broken down. It's both it's both and. And we get to discern what we are to do and discern this for our, our lives in, in every day and find the words that may be helpful. And we can ask these things for ourselves. What limits am I supposed to live in? Where can I find rest in an endlessly toil, toilsome world? How can I 
give like Jesus without being exhausted. On the other hand, where am I supposed to not give? Because the needs are unending as the wind. We get to pray through these things, think through these things, talk through these things with our friends. As Amy Plantinga Paw says, human lives are a mere flicker on the screen of the cosmos. All the effort of a lifetime vanishes without a trace. The dead are already forgotten, and those still to come can expect nothing better. There's a little bit of hopelessness in that, right? Uh, Just like Ecclesiastes. And yet, these words are true. And the point of this passage is to point to Scripture and the and yet's of Scripture. And I would say this, and yet God knit each one of us in our mother's womb. The hairs of our head and the length of our days are known to him, each and every one of us. God cares a great deal. He cares a great deal. Even if this is all meaningless, Even in the futility of it all, God is there. He's patiently enduring with us, and not even with us, but for us. And it it may be pointless, but God's great love for us is not. That will endure forever. God is not absent in the here and now. I think some people may think that, like, yeah, the wind and the sun, they just do their thing. But he is, God is not bored by the repetition of it, as we would be. And Jesus, the water, the water molecules that flow from the stream and into the ocean, in Christ they are held together. In Jesus, the life breath that we have is held and it is precious to him. The sun comes up and the sun goes down, not without God, but at God's command every single day. But at God's command, he also controls the wind where it blows and he uses patterns, but at the same time, he can do something different if he wanted to. He just has chosen not to. He's not absent from any of it. He's in it all. So let us find our hope in the fact that even if it's meaningless and all of its toil, God knows us. He cares about us. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to obey his commandments. And I pray the consistency of this text, that things are done over and over and over and over, may do a few things. May remind us that God is in control of all these things. That in this, we might consider how then are we supposed to live in the midst of all this that's been going on forever. And that way we might receive his grace and his love as well as give it away as Jesus gave his life for us because his life for us won't ever run out. And that is a beautiful and wise thing to live in. So Jesus, will you please come? And Lord, as we can feel the meaninglessness of toil at times, we can feel dissatisfied with certain things in our lives, Lord. We can see that the streams come and they flow into the ocean. We can see that the sun rises and sets. We know that our ears are never tired of hearing or our eyes seeing. But Lord, I pray that you will come and you will satisfy us, that our satisfaction may be found in you, that Lord, our limits won't distract us or or bother us, but that we can just take comfort in the fact knowing that you are God and that you what you have for us is good. Lord, we take so much for granted, and in that we confess, and we apologize. And yet at the same time, like you've set it up in such a way 
where, Lord, your grace is surrounding us even if we don't know it. So let us look at that grace. Let us look into your life as life as our life. In Jesus' name, amen.